Is it all right if we talk about him this morning? Go on ahead and grab a seat. You could grab it quickly unless you don't like who you're sitting next to. Then, uh, and go on ahead and change. But nevertheless, you could you can grab a seat. I I love this church. This is this is good. This is like a plethora of different nations represented. I I feel like I'm at home right now. Uh, I'm from Queens, New York, which was actually noted uh, by National Geographic to be the most diverse place on the face of the planet, most nationalities living amongst one another, most languages spoken amongst one another. And our church is a reflection of that, uh, which means that we are a rowdy, loud church. Um, does anyone like being a part of a loud church? This side. Okay, we're going to work on you. Um, but we're going to have fun this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to open up with me uh, to the book of Genesis. And then we're going to skip on over uh, to, the, to the book of, of 1 John. Uh, but in Genesis, uh, the 32nd, 32nd chapter, the 22nd verse. You could just listen or you could follow along. If you need to get there so you could read along, just say, wait a minute. If you're already there, say there. Okay, there's four of you there. Either you don't bring a Bible or you're having a hard time finding it. That's okay. For those of you having a hard time finding Genesis, uh, go to your table of contents and uh, flip it over. <laughs> it's right there. If you see any other book, um, well, you've gone too far. So Genesis 32 verse, verse 22 is what the Bible says. It says, that night Jacob got up with his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons, which obviously we are in the Old Testament. He got up with his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons, 11 sons. He obviously loved his two wives. <laughs> it says that they, they crossed the ford at the Jabbok, and after he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him till daybreak. I love how the Bible so nonchalantly throws that in there. Like we, we, we think we're just seeing this one scenario where this one guy with his two wives and his 11 kids and he, he's sending them across a river and then all of a sudden a random guy starts to wrestle with him. It's like there's not a, like a space or a setup. It's just, it just happens, which is kind of awesome. Anyway, so Jacob was left alone with the man, and they wrestled until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? Now, if you do have your Bibles, I would love for you to underline uh, that one statement right there. Or if you're taking notes, you should write that down. What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he, now knowing this is God, he replied and says, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed them there. It's pretty powerful. Skipping on over to the book of 1 John, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, 
we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I want to point out that the first story that I read is found in the Old Testament, which is probably one of the greatest stories and descriptions of grace in our Bible. This is in the first book of the Old Testament of our Bible. And then very interestingly enough that the second verse that I read to you is found in the New Testament, probably a little bit later on in the New Testament. And it's speaking of this idea of sin and the importance of confessing it. The only reason why I bring that to your attention is because so often people would suggest that grace is a New Testament idea and that sin is an Old Testament idea as if the two never existed. But allow me to suggest that grace has always existed because sin has now been a part of humanity since the beginning of time. And the only way we can get through this life is by the grace of God. I'm going to take the next few moments and probably about three hours or so, uh, just right up until the, the night service. Uh, is that okay for anybody? My Pentecostals, I love you all. I'll take a moment, just preach to you a sermon titled, uh, A Royal Rumble. If you're taking notes, can you just jot that down? A Royal Rumble. Let's just pray one more time. Father, we're so grateful that your presence is here. We're so grateful that you would meet with us, that you would love on us, that you would forgive us, that you would offer us mercy, that even in this time, oh God, this isn't just a matter of us gathering, but you want to get our attention so that we could serve you in a greater way. We love you. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we say amen, amen. Um, I know we're just getting to know each other, um, but just... So I could just be a little bit transparent with you and you could learn a little bit about me. I am the kind of person uh, that loves to have friends. Uh, is there anybody here that loves to have friends? I love having friends. When I found out I was going to Australia, I text my friends in Australia and I said, hey man, I'm coming your way. We're going to hang out. I text my friend Sergio, who's a pastor in Vancouver. I said, man, I'm going to Australia. Why don't you buy a plane ticket and meet me over there? He said, absolutely. Why? Because I, I, I love having friends. I, I love hanging out with people. I love chatting with people and talking to people, all kinds of people. And I love that I have different types of friends. All my friends aren't the same. I have nice friends and I have happy friends and I have generous friends and I have cheap friends and I, 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 I love my friends. I have actually some really, really, really smart friends, like, like the kind of friends that are so smart that they would use words that you would never even think to use. Like I think about some of my friends that, that would actually know of the word, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, but not only know the word, but actually know how to spell it backwards and forwards and would have the capacity to actually use it in a sentence. Like, like really smart friends, like the, the kind of friend that you would phone a friend. Like you, you ever watch the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? They're those friends. Some of you are thinking to yourselves, I'm that friend. <laughs> You're also the conceited friend. Um, <laughs> When I think of friends, though, my, my favorite kind of friends, if we're being honest, are my honest friends. I love my honest friends. The kind of friends that you don't even have to ask them a question, they're going to be honest with you. 
They're going to tell you what's going on, what's the rundown, why that's right, why that's wrong, why that works, why that doesn't work. Hey, Chris, that shirt doesn't look good on you. Oh, I didn't ask you. Yeah, but I wanted to tell you. Like, I, I love those friends. Those colors don't match. That doesn't look good. She's not nice. Your breath stinks. Like, these are the kind of friends I, I, I value and I trust because for me, it means something. Because here's what I understand. Honesty is actually an aspect of love. So if you love me, you're going to be honest with me. And when I think about honesty, I realize that for me, I have not only valued it so much in my own life, but I probably overstated it in my own life. I, I probably thought too much of honesty because growing up as a pastor's kid in, in church my entire life, every day of the week, although I've never heard anyone preach it, I've never heard anyone say it, I would always think to myself, if I want to have a relationship with God, if I want to experience God, if I want to be able to experience the supernatural, see revival, see God show up in a great way, then I better be completely and utterly honest. And here is why when I read this story, I'm completely beside myself. Because this story refutes that way of thinking. This isn't just some man that's crossing a river and he's trying to look out for his wives and his children. Here is a man that is in the middle of, he's in the middle of an escape. He's, he's running away from his brother who is looking, or in his mind, is looking to kill him. This man is a liar. He is a schemer and he is a cheater. And in fact, he comes from a family of liars and cheaters and hustlers. I mean, this is a guy that lies to his own dad just so that he could steal his brother's blessing. And his mom helped him do it. And then when he met his uncle, he lied to his uncle or he tried to trick his uncle because he, he says to his uncle, I, I want to marry your youngest daughter, although you're probably offering me your oldest daughter. And that goes outside the custom of the day. He tried to hustle his uncle, but his uncle was also a hustler because he was from the same family. And he said, I'll give you her. But in the end, he gave her the other one. They, they come from a family of hustlers. If they had a reality television show, it would be titled Family Hustle. And yet this guy, in the middle of this hustle, in the middle of this scheme, gets this experience? I mean, please understand what we just read. You know, commentators will tell you that he didn't just send his wives one way and tell them all to go this direction and that direction. Commentators tell us that because he had two wives, he took wife one and he sent her that way. Then he took all the possessions or half of the possessions and he sent those possessions that way. But then he took wife number two and he sent her that way. And then he took all the other possessions that were left over and then he sent them that way. Why? Because here was his mindset. If my brother shows up that way and finds wife one and possessions one over there, he may kill them or capture them. And if he does that, I'll be able to see that. But at least I have that wife and those possessions that way. I won't go that way to save them I'll go that way and at least I still get myself a wife and some possessions also think about that he sent his wives first then the possessions 
He basically said, wife, you go, then television, DVD player, blue player, you stay with me, and then I'll send you afterwards because maybe just hopefully we could save them. Like this is the kind of guy that we're dealing with. He's a liar, he's a schemer, he's a hustler, and it's in this moment that he gets to experience God. I mean, here we are talking about the presence of God, and the evidence of God is all around us. I, I think too often we get so self-righteous, and we think that the evidence of God is all around us, like we've done something good. But the truth is, it's because God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, that he would allow us to experience the presence of God. This is the very reason why he gives us new mercies every day. Why? Because he doesn't want anything in all this world that would separate us from him, so he gives us the the mercies so that we could get to him, feel him, and experience him. Friend, this is one of the greatest examples of God's grace in our text, and yet it happens from the very onset of the Bible. For some of you, it messes with your theology, but in actuality, it shouldn't. Why? Because we repeat verses all the time that would state he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The soon and coming king, the one that would die for us, the one that would rescue us, he has been on the rescue mission from the very beginning, even in the middle of a scheme. God would show up. This refutes the idea that you have to do good to get God. I'd like to argue with that. I would differ in my opinion. In fact, I would state that your theology is off if you believe that you don't have to do good to get God. You could be in the middle of bad and get God. You could be in the middle of sin and get God. You could be in the middle of scheming and planning and you're about to make a whole lot of mistakes and you could get God. Why? Because it is not by your actions that you get God. It's because of your mistakes that God runs towards us. He says in your own, you're going to mess it up on your own will and on your own Right? You're going to screw it all up. Oh, but I'm going to get to you and I'm going to love on you because I'm going to allow you to experience me in such a way that you search for nothing else, that you look for nothing else. There are some of you in the room that you could identify. You were in the middle of sin, and you couldn't even get through with it because God showed up. You were in the middle of a drinking binge, and then God showed up. You were in the middle of gambling, or you were about to let go of the marriage, but God showed up. This is why some of you can't even sin right. Find yourself in the middle of the club, and you're trying to dance and grind it and back it all up, and then all of a sudden, you start coming up and you start worshiping because the presence of God floods your mind. The reason why that would happen is because God is not confined to four walls in a building. He shows up when he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. Is he not omnipresent? Did he not create this earth? Like if there was a place on this earth that would actually keep him away. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving, which is why he's not going to allow our sin to keep us from experiencing him. So he shows up in this moment. What is this moment? It's a dark moment. It's a narcissistic moment. It's a, it's a moment where this man is so concerned about himself. He's not concerned about his kids. He's not concerned about his wives. He's not necessarily concerned about his possessions. He's concerned with himself. What do I have to do that is best for me? 
Now, the truth is that there's not something necessarily wrong with that idea, and this is why I think God shows up. See, he thinks he's doing something what's best for him, but God's about to show him what's best for him. He shows up, and they, and they wrestle. This kind of frustrates me because I've never had that kind of experience. I've been to a lot of conferences. I've been to a lot of worship services. I grew up non-denominational, which is AKA undercover for Pentecostal. All night prayer meetings and all night prayer services and, and really long worship sets where you didn't have clocks and you didn't have set lists and it just went on and on and on. I thank God that we've advanced a little from that, but I'm just saying I've experienced some stuff. There's a side of me that feels like I've never experienced that. Why does this man get to have this kind of experience? Well, because we're sin abound. Grace abound. All the more. And what's amazing is it's, it's evident that this man doesn't even necessarily realize who it is that, that he's in a grapple with. But, but yet he... He holds on. Why, why does he hold on? Because this is obviously a guy that spent his life looking for a good deal. Although he can't fully understand it, he, he, he holds on. The Bible describes that they, they wrestle all through the evening until daybreak comes. And, and can you just imagine the kind of strength that it takes? See, there's a side of me that thinks to myself, oh my goodness, I wish that I would have an experience like this one. I wish that I was able to wrestle like that. I wish that I was able to have this kind of opportunity until the Holy Spirit hit me and told me, you absolutely can. In fact, you wrestle a lot more than you realize. And I started to think to myself, how do I wrestle a lot more than I realize? And what the Holy Spirit said, to me was every time you praise you wrestle every time you worship you wrestle every time you tithe you wrestle every time you give in your offering you wrestle every time you serve in a church you wrestle every time you forget about yourself to serve somebody else you wrestle every time you open up the word of God you wrestle every time you're going through a bad situation but you declare the truth of God you wrestle you wrestle you wrestle I wonder is there anybody in the room that doesn't mind wrestling a little bit is there anybody in the room that doesn't mind praying a little bit? Is there anybody in the room that doesn't mind praising and worshiping a little bit? If that's you, why don't you give your God some worship in this place right now? Allow me to suggest to you that it is always appropriate to wrestle. It's always a good time to wrestle. It's always wise of us to make sure that we are locking in and engaging with God. In fact, I'd like to suggest to you, if you wanted to see things go a little bit differently in your life, you would wrestle more. I know you've been fighting with your boss. I know you've been fighting with your children. I know you've been fighting with your spouse. And you've been fighting with your finances. As you find yourself fighting with your finances, you need to find yourself wrestling with God. I know you find yourself fighting with your spouse. Then you ought to get on your knees and start wrestling with God. Because we do not battle flesh and blood, but we battle spirits and principalities. And the way to overcome those spirits is not anything that we could grab, but it's something that we could see. 
speak. It's something that we can operate in. I know when you're in the middle of tragedy and devastating times, we all feel like giving up. But the best thing for you to do in that moment is not to give up. It's not to pick up the bottle. It's not to go on that website. It's not to meet up with those friends. It's to worship. It's to praise. It's to declare the goodness of God. The reason why it seems so difficult is because the opposition is trying to get you to tap out instead of wrestling. But we have to be the kind of people that would be the, would have the kind of will that said, regardless of what I am going through, although it feels like I am fighting for my life, then I'm going to wrestle my way through it. Oh, I'm going to wrestle with God so that I don't have to fight with man. I'm going to wrestle with God so that I don't have to fight for my marriage. I'm going to wrestle with God so that I don't have to fight for my finances. I'm going to wrestle with God because too often I found myself running and scheming and searching for so many other outlets. And all those other outlets wouldn't do it for me. God is telling you, each and every one of you this morning, that he wants you to wrestle just a little bit more. I know there's a lot of stereotypes of American preachers. I'm not going to argue with you that they're not all true. But I will say to you, I didn't know I was going to preach this word this morning. And I am preaching a word tonight in Oxford Falls, but it's most likely, maybe, I don't know, it's not going to be this word. Which would only then suggest to me that God was trying to get some of you to step into the ring with him. He's saying, son, daughter. I know you feel like you're fighting for your life, but why don't you just hold on to me? Isn't it amazing how when we're fighting for our life, we could ignore God. When, when God is life, like we're fighting for our life, we feel like life is about to let go of us, but we could grab on hold of life. And yet we choose so many other things because of the circumstance that we're in. He's saying, son, daughter, just, just grab on to me. Experience me. Allow me to do for you what nobody else can do for you. When Jacob is in this moment, it's, it's evident that he doesn't know who he's actually with, which also speaks to a greater understanding of grace because so often we think that you can't experience God because you haven't learned enough yet or, or you don't know enough about God yet or maybe you didn't get your degree or maybe you didn't go to Bible school. Maybe there weren't internships in the churches that maybe some of you grew up in and, and you feel like you're disqualified or you feel like you're inadequate or you feel like where you're at as a Christian hasn't been established and developed enough. And what we get a picture of here is that even a man that has no idea who he's actually holding on to is willing to bless him. Get this idea out of your mind that you don't have enough accolades. Get this idea out of your mind that, that, that you haven't achieved enough. You haven't experienced enough. He says, even when you don't know me, you could still experience me. This is what's so amazing and what's so beautiful about the gospel. Because you do not necessarily need to believe in order to belong. What the gospel says is you could belong, you could come, you could invite. You don't have to give yourself to Jesus right away. Although we would encourage that and suggest that. But as you find yourself on this journey, God is going to reveal himself to you. 
you, which I also think that last statement that I said, that may ruffle some feathers, but at the same time, allow me to remind you where the Bible states who could actually understand the mind of God. See, when we think that we have learned everything about God, that's probably where we'll find ourselves knowing nothing about God because there's so many dimensions and so many layers. He's so infinite and vast. How could we ever think that the limited knowledge that we have in the short amount of time that we lived on this earth is enough to understand the totality of who this great God is? You don't even have to know who God is to be able to experience God. You don't even necessarily have to know who God is to be able to hold on to God. I, I know that's, that's a little bit dumbfounding or hard for some of us to experience. But what God is saying, as long as you hold on to me and are honest with me, and are honest with me, as long as you're honest with me. See, the part that. It really threw me off about this story, although I've grown up hearing this story and reading about this story. And I remember being in, in children's church and them using the little figures and the animations to, to try to explain this story to me. It's the part of the story when, when God asks Jacob his name. What? You're God. He knew where Jacob was. He knew the exact time Jacob would be alone. He was aware of everything going on. And you're telling me he didn't know his name? For real? He didn't know his name. He didn't know who Jacob was? I think that's a little bit of a trick question here. I, I think if we, were, if we were to put on our thinking caps and we were to do a little bit of digging and, and, and just really just become a little bit more su suspicious and wanting to wonder and figure out why would he state this? Why would he, why would he ask this? What it, was it that he didn't know his name? Or was that he wanted Jacob to know Jacob's name? You know the name Jacob actually translates to hustler? His name actually translates to liar and cheater. This wasn't a moment where they're getting to know each other. I mean, it is, but it isn't. This wasn't networking. This wasn't, hey, how are you? My name is Pastor Chris Derso. I'm from America, New York City to be exact. And we see thousands of people come to the gospel as a result of my ministry. And if you want to sow to that ministry, you could pay $20 or three payments of $19.95 and you can get your miracle. <laughs> That was obviously a joke. <laughs> Unless you want to slip me a 20, I'll be in the back. Um, what is your name? So when he says, my name is Jacob, what is he actually saying? My, my name is Jacob. No, it's not my name is Jacob. It's my name is Hustler. My name is Cheater. It's not a moment of introduction. It's actually a moment of confession. They're past the introductions because they've been wrestling all night. They've been engaging all night. And what's amazing is he doesn't have to confess to get to God. It's as the result of this wrestling that he learned so much more about him. See, here's what I've learned. The more I learn about God, the more I learn about me. The more I learn about God, the more I realize things about me. The more I realize how amazing God is, the more humble I become because I realize how doubtful I could be or how mean I could be or how narcissistic I could be. This is why at the end of, the, of this journey of this wrestling match, he says, my name is, is hustling. And what happens next? 
he gets blessed. What? He confesses who he is and he's blessed? Most of us didn't grow up thinking like this. This is why when your mom would ask you, did you eat a cookie? We would say no. Because we thought if we said no, then she wouldn't hit us. Who parents like that? Did you hit your sister? Yes. Here's a present. <laughs> Did you cheat on your wife? Absolutely. There's a million dollars. Did you murder a man? Yes. There's a new house. Like we didn't. This, this messes with our train of thinking, but, but the ways of man aren't the ways of God. See, what God wants to get is for Jacob to admit what he already knows. Do you know that theology tells us that when we confess, we're only stating what God already says about us? God doesn't read your bio on social media and go by that. God knows exactly who you are exactly what you've been dealing with and he wants you to know exactly who you are and confess what you've actually been dealing with this is the first time in history that that you would have two winners walk away from a match because usually you would have a winner and a loser one gets pinned the other one stays down but this is actually the first time in history where you have two winners well well, God wins because he gets Jacob to confess who he is, but, but Jacob wins because he surrenders and submits to God. See, the way you win in the kingdom is not to stand tall, but it's to lay low. It's, it's surrender that he's looking for. It's, it's not fighting, it's, it's wrestling. There's a great difference between fighting and and wrestling, it's this idea that I'm going to hold on, although I don't feel worthy of it, although I don't feel like I can, I'm going to hold on. Why? Because you got what I need. And what I thought I need, man, I really messed up a whole lot on my own. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come on up. Because I really feel like in this moment, this is actually going to be a moment for some of you. For some of you in your marriages, if you're here with your spouse, just squeeze his or her hand. Maybe there's some stuff you need to wrestle with God together about. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're the only one fighting for your marriage. Maybe the finances that have been overwhelming you, or maybe the child that's not serving God right now, maybe the one that's off in college, or going to, is in high school or middle school, they're involved in something. We have to be committed to wrestle. There are others of you that you've been living in this life of, of sin, and it's not necessarily that, that you enjoy it, you're just embarrassed of it. So, so you do your best every Sunday to put on your Sunday's best. Have you ever heard that term, Sunday's best? It's a, it's a famous term in America, and it's usually referred to the South of America, because in the South of America, everybody go to church. Everybody goes to church. I mean, you could be murdering people Monday through Saturday, Sunday morning, church. Like, this is, this is what they do. And you don't talk about your problems. You walk around and you speak in Christianese and you say things like, bless you, brother, hallelujah, to God be the glory. Like, this is, this is how you communicate with one another. And it's this idea that I got I to gotta appear to be good so that you would think I am good. But it doesn't please God. 
let's just be honest with what I already know about you. In a moment, I want to give an opportunity to people that have never given their life to Jesus to give their life to Jesus. But before I do that, and I hope this is okay, can I ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes? You know that there's something that you've been dealing with. It's been fighting with your spirit. You feel like as a result, you're fighting for your life. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's hatred. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's anger. I'm not sure what it is. And the truth is, I don't need to know. You don't need to tell me. God knows. and He wants you to admit. Whatever that is. No one's going to ask you any questions, but I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Can you just stand in this room? Just stand. You're, you're already a Christian. I get it. You're already a believer. You maybe served at Presence Conference. It's okay. No one's looking. But you know you need to be honest with yourself and be honest with God. That you've been dealing with some stuff and you want God to deliver you. This isn't the moment to be embarrassed. In fact, it should be the moment to get excited because that means that the blessing is coming. So whoever you are, on the count of three, stand. One, two, three, stand. It's okay. No one's looking. Stand. more of you. Come on. God is fighting for you right now. He's saying, stand. Don't, don't continue to live like this. Don't, don't continue to act like you have it all together. Just stand. Where are you? Where are you? There you go. Come on. There you go. There's an older generation. For you, it's, it's going through your mind right now. As I've been stuck in my ways. I've lived like this my whole life. It's, it's how I was raised. But that's, that's a lie that the enemy wants to tell you. There are new mercies every morning. God doesn't want you to live the rest of your life how you've been living up to this point. Stand. As an older man, stand. Stand. There you go. There we go. Jesus. pray, oh God, that you would just renew their minds right now. God, I pray that they would, they would feel grace and not embarrassment right now. That there wouldn't be any shame, oh God, but there would be delight right now because although they, they're admitting to doing some things that they've been dealing with, they're bothered by, you're going to respond in your love and your mercy like you always do. I pray, oh God, that you would cleanse them, forgive them of every mistake, foolish thought or thing that they've done takes one to know one God I've, I've been there so many times and I just pray oh God that your reign would come down and would cleanse us right now Holy Spirit would fill them right now they'd be used for your glory right now can I ask all of you to stand all of you stand
want to pray one more way. Pastor asked me to do this, and I count it a privilege. There's nothing I love more to be able to pray with people that have either walked away from the things of God or have never committed their life to become a Christian. For some of you, this is your moment. I'm excited because your life's about to change forever. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never given your life to Jesus or you walked away from the things of God, at one point in your life you were on fire, you were serving in ministry, but, but you haven't been in church in a while, you, you've walked away. Whoever you are, this is your moment right now. I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, you're going to shoot up your hand. Why? Because your destiny is waiting for you. Your God, he loves you. If you want to get to heaven, he, he says, come to me. You don't have to pay a bill. You don't have to take a class. You just have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. So if that's you, one, Jesus loves you, and he died specifically for you. You are not a mistake. You are his child, too. The Bible also notifies us that tomorrow is not promised to anyone. In fact, it encourages us to take advantage of the day. And it also says that today is the day of salvation, which means today is the appointment for you to come and meet Jesus. If that's you, lift up your hand right now. Three, lift it up. Let's all repeat this together. Say, Jesus, you are Lord, you are God. Forgive me of all my sins, all my wrongdoing. Thank you for dying for me and three days later, rising again. You are my Lord and I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.